This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap at the weekend. Yes, we're here. Marco Flalo is somewhere in the background. He's、uh, playing at the moment with that open AI chatbot thing. So we're going to talk a little bit about that following our chat yesterday. And Apple making chips in America. You're listening to Double Tap, the weekend edition, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Mark Aflalo. Hey, Mark Aflalo, how are you? Oh, you know, I'm surviving. How are you? Oh, we've, we've not been well this week, have we? You and I、oh, have been suffering. We have、suffered. not. He really is suffering. He's. he's He's suffering so much that he's gone. He's actually gone from our lives. This will be an interesting show.、Um, now, I'm hearing clicking, so that might mean he's on his way back. Let's just see if he comes back to us. Hi, how、oh, are you? Is. What happened? Oh, my、uh, God. I'm just saying you were just, suffering went... and then you actually died. I don't know what happened. I, I have this lovely, wonderful mixer that every once in a while it has a hiccup and it just goes completely all to hell. Everything is my, it's literally like the lights went out of my head. That is, yeah, that's, it, it sounded like I had the click. Oh, did you hear the click? Well, you know, click. that was the lights going out. I, wa- I was in the process of saying that, yeah, no, we, we too, you and I,、um, I think I started this last week. If you were listening to the show last weekend, you probably heard me slowly fade away、um, through, the, uh, through the entirety of that show. Yeah, you、I、were struggling. I think I was slowly drifting off to COVID land.、Um, but I'm back. I'm back. I survived. It was a good weekend.、Um, it's been a week, man, though. It's been a week of just kind of, Slowly going through the paces.、Yeah. It's not fun being ill. It is not fun being a man with the flu. Are you saying that we are somehow,、um, yeah, we're, we're babies? I yeah, get it. Much, I know. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I get it. We just, we just take things, you know, as my wife says, oh, I had a baby cut out of my belly and you can't. Yeah, what do you、cold. know? Like, no, I can't. <laughs> it's hard, it's, it's, the thing is, it's so hard to argue with that, right? I mean, it's like, I mean, I've, I've had. The worst thing that ever happened to me is I had a hernia, which was basically like getting a baby put back in.、Um, it's a weird experience because they have to, because I don't know if you know much about hernias, but you know, basically things fall out and you have to put them back in again. Okay. It's not the, the most funnest of experiences, I'll be honest,、uh, but it's not painful except until afterwards, you know, until, until it's actually、uh-huh. fixed and healed. And then you have to, and it's the most embarrassing thing because, you know, you have to have people help you with, with everything. And it is, I mean, you know, it's got its upsides, but you know, it's also, kind it's kind of its, like aging, isn't it, though? It is, yeah, it is. And the thing is, you know, I have to say this, you know, and, and I'm saying this because it's important to say this sponge baths, as much as they sound brilliant, <laughs> when you- wow, this is a direction. I never expected this show to go. And unfortunately, Stephen just started laughing, which means that、I'm、the、gone. phlegm is going to release from his chest. He's going to get through it.、Uh, no, you know, I you, told you, you, you we're not a show about comedy. We cannot, do, we cannot do laughter on this show or I will die. You joked off the top of the show that I was playing with the new chatbot. Yes. Okay. I'm confused about this because you, you've been talking a little bit about this. Number one, the chatbot that I've been going to, I guess it's openai.com.、Mm. Um, It's broken. It's actually the so high of a demand. That <laughs> Is that because we were talking about、chatbot. it on the show yesterday? Did we kill yeah, it? Yeah, that it's completely to do with us. It has nothing to do with anybody else in the world. Good. If you go to chat.openai.com,、um, in, in Chrome, it doesn't even open for me. In Safari, it says, 
Hey there, a lot of people are checking out ChatGBT right now. We're doing our best to make sure everyone has a chance to try it. So please check back soon. Yeah, so oh someone's dear. broken the chatbot. Yeah, it's no surprise, though. Everybody seems to be playing with it. And I think it's the fact as well that people are feeding it so much information. Like we had uh, JJ on yesterday talking about feeding it the manual for the NVDA screen reader. <laughs> it's like thousands and hundreds of thousands of words. And he's just feeding them all into this thing. And it's having to gobble it up. Like, you remember Johnny Five in uh, Short Circuit? Short Circuit. Of course yeah. I remember Johnny Five. That was one of my favorite movies. I Johnny love that Johnny Five movie. is alive. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's just going through the books. It was brilliant. That's More kind of what this thing is. Stephanie. Yes, I, I want that <laughs> robot in my life because now it seems it's possible to get it. That's where this is going. Yeah, no, this is definitely, this is definitely cool. And I, I must say, I have been playing with different... Uh, not chatbots, but um, AI AI writing services. Mm. So there's something called um, was it AdWords or AnyWord.io where you feed it like a little bits of information, and it's supposed to generate really search engine optimized friendly titles and descriptions, and and it there it's getting scarily good. Yeah, and and the reason for that is because of the I mean in this particular case with OpenAI, and you're right, this is one of many. Uh, but it's getting the attention, I think, because of the the fact that it's got a lot of knowledge. Apparently, up until 2021, JD was telling us yesterday. So up until 2021, it's pretty much taken, I think, everything of the internet and just eaten it. And it's able to give you information out as a result. So if you search or if you were to ask it to give you a synopsis of, you know, what was 2020 uh, as a year like? You know, it would write you an essay on it or a dissertation on it. And... It would be able to do that really well. But also you can add to it. So you could say, for example, add a, a transcription of our TV show, you know, and, and say, listen, just write us up a synopsis, which I think is a brilliant idea, by the way, because it saves us doing it. You know, so fire it into this thing and it just gives you back all the information. Job done. I think this is this is really cool. But, you know, obviously this is something which, is, as JJ said yesterday and others have said, this is not going to last forever in its current form. It's going to be, I guess, become the basis of customer service, which I think is great. I mean, you think about it. I just keep thinking of that robot in my head, Johnny Five, doing the whole, you know, right, just just consume all this information. And then when you ask a chatbot a question in the future, it's going to have the information more than a human will ever have. Well, but this is, I mean, isn't this what Amazon Echoes and smart speakers are yearning to be? Yes. To have access to that kind of information at their fingertips? And contextualize it. I think that's the well, other and part, that's, right? And that's the thing, you know, that that's where that's where when we talk about these smart speakers, that's where they really are are different from each other, right? Because, you know, the the Amazon Echo, great device, great skills, not very smart. Like it's a dumb smart speaker, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then you've got Google Home, and Google Home is is not a dumb smart speaker. It's like a it's like a somewhat educated smart speaker, and they've been working really hard to make it contextual. But but the way they define context is not about really the way we're talking about context now. It's it's more about the con- continuation of conversation, right? So when you ask it something like, "What time is it in Paris?" and then you say, "Oh, speaking of which, you know what, what what's the weather like?" And you don't say Paris again. It should remember that you were talking about Paris. Yeah, that's the context in which it's trying to get. Whereas this is a whole different thing. This is literally putting the information, uh, the the world's information, the internet, and making it available in a public form for these 
chatbots or these these services to be able to harness. And let's not forget that these chatbots are also open source, right? Mm-hmm. So Amazon could easily go and tap into this right now. Google could tap into this information right now. There are APIs out there that people are working on. It just gives you an interesting glimpse into what the future is. You could soon one day say, without even having to type, say, you know, and one of the examples I saw was break this down for a kindergarten child. And it took this like seven page document and broke it down into a paragraph. Yeah, that's incredible. That a child would understand. <laughs> and and again, you could apply that to a smart speaker. You know, the kid's smart speaker in the room, you know, explain a, a historical event, you know, explain World War Two to me as a child, you know, make this something that I well, can understand. Well, but it understand. should be able to know, right? Like you're able to take, okay, this is a speaker in Zachary's room. Zachary yes. is 13 years old. So when you answer questions to Zachary, give it to him in a way a 13-year-old can consume it. And when I ask it, give it to me in a way that I can consume it. And it should learn from that experience and know next time, okay, Mark's talking, let's give it to him in a way that he understands. Or if Zachary asks a question, he goes, I still don't get it. It should be able to rephrase that in a way that he understands until he does get it and then it should know and be able to continue where it left off this is where we're going right this is this is going to happen and it's going to happen you know we joke about things not happening in our lifetime this is happening this year like this Mm -hmm. is happening now which is so cool i think the wow moment isn't so much because of of what this individual thing can do but because people are realizing that the sum of all the parts coming together is what is, is what's bringing this so they're seeing the the amazon echoes sitting in the room they're realizing that they are talking to the air, they're getting answers back, and then they're seeing this and how this can work, and they're thinking, hang on, when you put all this together, when you plug all this in, when, like you yeah. say, when it can figure out who's talking to it, and it knows that it's exactly that's talking versus Mark, that is where things get really interesting, because that because people can visualize that, they understand it. It's no longer, I mean, I, I was a bit wary about talking about it on the show yesterday, because I thought this is way beyond my understanding, but... Actually, now thinking about it, it's not that complicated, really. This is just this. This is just an extension of what we've seen in in the growth towards artificial intelligence taking over our lives and our jobs and our careers. Uh, although I will say, as I said to Sean yesterday, the good thing is that we have no worries here at Double Tap because um, artificial stupidity has not yet been created. So no, you know, and, they're not, and they're not even there. working on it. So we've exactly. really got a we've got longevity here, Stephen. Clear run. We are fine. I was worried, but I actually now I'm not so worried. Look, in all seriousness, I remember when we were at CES. Uh, well, I wasn't. Uh, you you were um, <laughs> in in on my ear uh, the whole time uh, at CES uh, because you couldn't make it sadly. But the um, the first time you had COVID, and um, I remember seeing this company called Neon. I think it was Neon. And yeah, this, it was that was yeah. the art of the AI news newscaster, right? That's right. And it went further than just. And I, I, there's a little bit of this in the news as well this week about. Um, and I think we touched on this last week, didn't we? These these portraits that people are getting created of themselves, where it takes information about you and it creates an AI representation of you, almost like a cartoon drawing. Maybe not as crude as cartoon, but you know, it, it's a it's a it's a drawing of you, but it's written it's, it's created by a computer from its own mind rather than something that's being created. I mean, obviously, there's information about you in there, clearly. It has to have images of you to understand who you are. But, you know, that is another part of this. And this is what Neon was showing, was that they are creating these AIs. And when I was asking the guy, you know, it's interesting because, you know, these people, you know, who are they? Who are they based on? And he said, well, they're not based on anybody. These are just 
These are AI people. These are not real people. This is not the face of a real person. Yeah. Even though it did look like a real person, it wasn't like it was you know Joe the model who the pictures were taken of and then they used him. It was just that it created a, a person who looked like a newsreader. And it so created there's a that couple, look. There's a couple apps that are circulating now. One which has become a super popular on the App Store and iOS is called Lenza. And the website is lenza.ai. And this, what you do is you feed it 20 pictures, um, selfies of yourself, and it'll give you like a hundred different representations of you in different forms. Some are just completely abstract and strange. Some are really cool representations and neat. Um, but I think that one you were referring to from last week or a couple of weeks ago was the one where you can type in, show me, uh, you know, draw pictures of Mark in the style of Van Gogh. Yeah. And it'll, right. it'll, it'll take its interpretation of that and do it in strange way, shapes or form. This is all similar technology converging. And it's so cool to be able to watch this from the peripheral and see it all kind of come together and see how people are going to make sense of it all and make it come together in some kind of cohesive package. And I, I don't know where that's going to end up. It's going to end up somewhere. Someone's going to do it first in some way, shape, or form that's different. But it's so neat. Yeah, and, you, and then you add into this the metaverse and what the potential there is, right? I mean, this is what I mean about all the, all these, the sum of all the parts. Because when you get into the metaverse, suddenly you then have a situation where you can be, you know, creating your look and your style or allowing AI to do that. Um, I think for a lot of people that could be really interesting. Really, you know, potentially their identity online will be forged by this kind of technology. Uh, and then, of course, you can bring in all the AI stuff as well. It's, it's a very interesting time and a very interesting space, and it seems more uh, realistic. It doesn't feel like something that is far away. I mean, this is live. That website, OpenAI, you just go there. And you can use it and you can see for yourself the results. And I think that's what it is. You know, I think when you see the bloggers talking about it and the YouTubers and they're all getting excited about it, and then you go and try it yourself and you think, actually, this works. It's like the first day I ever got the Amazon Echo and asked it to play a song by Elvis Presley. Never in a month of Sundays do I think it would even know what I was talking about. And it did it. It just played a song. And I remember my neighbor across the road, he came over to the house. He'd, he'd heard of them. And he was like, oh, I've heard of these things. And he said, can, and he, I said, ask it to play something by Elvis. And he did. And he was blown away at the fact that it even understood what he was saying. And then it could turn that into music. You know, look how far, and that's, that was what, how many years ago? 2014 that Amazon Echo yeah. came out? Yeah. It doesn't feel like that. It's not long, long ago. Eight years. That's insane. It's just insane. Um, and yet, and funny enough, over that period of time, not much has changed. That's true. That is very true. We kind of we kind of <laughs> hit the peak, didn't we? About 2015, 2016, that was it. Yeah. And then nothing. Um, and it doesn't look like the way the things are going with Amazon. It doesn't look like there'll be much investment in the future at the moment. Um, you know, but I, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. It's not as if they have a bad, a bad product. I just wish I understood the Google thing. Because the whole Google thing for me is the Google Home is the same product to some degree. But it just doesn't ever seem to get the same level of respect that the Amazon Echo gets. Yeah, and I don't really no. get why. I, You know what? I think that Amazon really did create an interesting category with the with the creation of skills. You know, that, that whole skills and being able to really yeah, program them it. and create them in a very simple operating system. No one else is really doing that, you know? Yes, you can use apps and different apps with Google Home and even, even, even Apple's HomePod. 
but you don't have these skills and these things that that the Echo did from the start um, that no one else is still doing. Yeah, and that sets it apart. I think you're right. I mean, it's like you know, I remember getting the the Google Home as it was then. Now it's the Google Nest or Nest Home. I think they've dumped Google out the name. And um, I remember someone saying, you know, asking someone, you know, what can it do? And they're like, yeah, just talk to it. Yeah, but say what to it? You know, how do I get it to do things? And it was Tell that me about your problems. Yeah. You know, and you would think, well, okay, I'll ask it something and then it wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I mean, obviously for search, it was really good and it was good for that kind of thing. But yeah. I think you're right. I think even though I don't, and it's ironic because I don't use a lot of the skills that the Echo has. I don't, because listen, I, I know I what use, it can do. I use it as a glorified alarm clock, you know? Yeah. That's, it's an alarm clock. It's a timer. It's uh, mathematical calculations when I need to quickly you know, how many cups is this in ounces or that yep. kind of stuff. But that's about it. Like my son plays sleep sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets like ocean sounds while he's falling asleep. I've created some cool routines so that when I say goodnight, you know, and insert child's name here, it says ridiculous stuff to them every once in a while, <laughs> um, which is always fun. It turns their lights off. But I, I was thinking about this the other day too, that that I actually use my my iPhone and home kit and Siri more to control stuff than I do with the Echo because I find that with the skills, um, it doesn't always work properly the first time. So That's I'm constantly repeating myself, whereas I know, like, for example, we have we have nano leaf tiles in my kids' rooms. These are these little oh, tiles with those. the wall that change colors. They're kind of fun. Are they good? Yeah, they're, they're good. They're nice. They're fun. They're like LED. They can respond to music. They're interesting. They're mm. they're really kind of these peripheral devices that just kind of sit there. And uh, I've enabled the skill on the Echo, but for some reason, it just stopped responding to the skill. But my HomeKit and everything on my HomeKit's working beautifully. So I find myself using my phone more and my watch more and saying things like, hey, you know, your name here. Uh, do this. And it just works the first time. And it's more integrated with my home. So I've started building more more automations and routines in my house. So for example, when, you know, I, you know, I say good night, uh, it actually really, it closes the blinds, mm. makes sure that the, the locks are closed. The lights are closed downstairs. Like I've got, it's like my final good night. Like I'm the last person in the house. Good night. Um, and I've got automations like lights turn on, lights turn off when the sunrise happens or the sunset. And I find it all easier to use on my, on my iPhone than I would on a, on an echo or using the Alexa app. It's so funny you say that because I often think I use my iPhone for absolutely everything. Why would I not just use HomeKit for my smart control? Why am I using the Echo? Because even, you know, it's not just in the house, it's outside the house. You think, oh, I wonder what the the heating is set to or, you know, did I leave that plug switched on? And, you know, being able to just grab that. And they've done a pretty good job at redesigning the app in the most recent version of iOS where it really is a little bit more intuitive I've got my cameras built in. I've got like everything's at my fingertips. I had to, you know, the doorbell rang today. I got the notification on my device and it was uh, someone came to clean my house and we happened to uh, go out and forget they were coming. I was able to answer, talk to them through the doorbell. I unlocked the door, locked the door when they came in uh, and I never had to do it. I didn't even have to lift a finger. I just literally had to just answer the answer my phone and say, oh, oh let me let me take care of that for you. So it, uh, it, it, it really it? is a powerful little device and all in that one app. Didn't have to switch apps to do things, which is neat. Now, in saying all this, you might remember last week that I told you that I had the Philips Hue Bridge and that we were talking about it last week on the show. Which Yeah, you set it up. Well, I've taken it out of the box 
so I've got, I've got it. I've gone as far as I've got the cables plugged in, and I've got it here. It's out. It's outside the box. The the bridge has got wow, outside. Wow, so exciting. Yeah, that was pathetic, isn't it? You got it outside the box. I was ill this week. What more do you want? I've been ill. I've been, I've been telling people I've been ill. I've been busy. I hear it. I hear it in your voice. I hear a little nasalness in your voice. Yeah. It's just, it won't clear. A couple Apple announcements this week. Did you see this one? Apple Music Sing? Yeah. So karaoke now on the Apple TV, right? But pretty much. It's exactly that. It's basically <laughs> using, you know, the modern, the newer iPhones and iPads uh, and with the Apple TV 4K. And again, I don't know if it works backwards compatible to the other Apple TVs. Uh, and it's built right into the app. Yeah, because we've seen lyrics. The lyrics have started to appear in songs on Apple Music. Mm. Um, and you have to be an Apple Music subscriber. But that's all you need. And if you've got that, you could follow along with the lyrics. You can control the volume. Um, it, it's pretty It's pretty cute. It, it actually gets cute. into it's the gimmick. I, I'm guessing it's because of the spatial audio, but it, it is able to kind of dull the the vocals down, right, of, of the song, and then you can sing Correct. So basically you pick a song, you turn on the lyrics, and then you use this little microphone icon that adjusts the vocals. You know what? Let me let's 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 do something that we uh, we know will absolutely fail. I don't even know if it's is available on this version of iOS, but let's pick a uh, let's pick a song. Is it going any, to be? Um, oh, so hang on. So this is on a, oh this is on the iPhone as well. Yeah, no, no, it's on it's on iPhones and iPads. Ah. So I'm gonna go. Let's see. Uh, okay, so Taylor Swift's new mm-hmm. song, Antihero. Okay, so it's playing, and then. Uh, Okay, I have her lyrics. You you got to that Taylor Swift song way too easy. Not, it was just there. I hit pop and it was just there. Um, and there's uh-huh. supposed to be a microphone icon that appears when you have the lyrics, but I don't think it's in this version. I think this is only going to be available in the updated version of iOS 16, right. which is 16.2, which should be out, I think, next week because they just released the release candidate today. So I'll you know what I'll do? I will um I'll update my phone to the beta. So we can try it out for you guys. Um, I, I realized as I was playing that song, I better stop it quick so that people don't flag us for having commercial music in our podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll be honest. If they did flag it to me, it would be news because I don't know what commercial music sounds like in 2022. Is it not Frank? Is Frank Sinatra not with us anymore? I mean, what is going on? Oh, Stephen. I don't like want to take a break music. so well, I can break some news to you. I will be honest. I remember when you and I were together in Canada, I had a song by a woman who I believe is called Lizzo. Yes. At the time, I didn't know who or what Lizzo was because I know nothing about modern music, but uh, it was a song, and it was never off the radio when I was in Canada. It was just always on, and I actually quite liked it. I remember, I think you caught me but boogieing wait, on down. But were you listening to the radio in Canada? Like, was that what was going on? Well, I was, I, we were in the car together, and you, and you had, I, I don't know, some form of music playing Okay, uh, so here, here's the thing, on. is that in my car, Okay, I have Sirius XM in my car, which is a subscription service here in North America. And my kids don't let me change the channel from, uh, it's called a channel called Hits One. Right. And they literally pay, play the same songs over and over and over again. No joke. When I was driving home from Ottawa this past weekend, um, I could, I, every time I walked back in the car, the same song was playing. Yeah. Because it was just every, like, every hour and a half, those same songs were playing. Oh, top hit. They do oh, mix in some hit, older so stuff, but that's about yeah. it. Yeah, uh, we, we've got a similar kind of station here in the UK, which plays easy listening or, or soft music, smooth, it's called oh, smooth radio. Music. Kenny G. Uh, well, it's, it's that kind of, it's, it's all Luther Vandross and, you know, Carol King and, you know, uh, what's her face? The other one I like is one that I always hear Celine on that Dion. station. 
No, so Tracy Chapman. That's the one. Tracy Chapman. Okay. I always hear Tracy. Baby kind of holds you. It's all in there all the time. It's, it's almost, and Fast Car. It's, what, it's every time you turn on, you can guarantee you'll hear one of those songs. And um, yeah, I, I get it. I, I get that. But no, I, I, I like I say, modern music, yeah, it's not really my, my thing. So I wouldn't even know. But look, we're, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk about um, some other Apple news. But before I do, just, just to ask you, because we've been talking a lot this week on the show about Neuralink. And uh, just at the end of last week, uh, we got the news that Neuralink had had that big announcement with the presentation and this huge promise, I guess, that people who've never had vision could potentially get vision as a result of this incredible new technology, um, which is this this brain implant that, that they've been working on. And, you know, someone who, for example, had, uh, you know, spine cord, a break in their spinal cord, could get physical movement back in their body because they'd be able to take these these implants and put one in their head and one in the in their back and essentially yeah. they communicate with each other and it creates movement again. I mean, it all sounds very futuristic, very sci-fi. They say it's possible and within six months they will hopefully have human trials, but that all has to be approved by the US government, I'd imagine. Um, where are you in all this? Because, you know, it's always interesting. From our point of view, it's, it's a bit of a mixed debate in our community. Some people don't want it because they say, well, look, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't need fixed. Other people say, yes, give me the, the solution and, and fix me now. Uh, but, you know, you're outside of this in that regard because you're not disabled. But, you know, this is something which could affect anybody at any time. And I just wonder where you stand on that kind of level of invasive technology, because that's what this is. It's a different level of technology. It's not outside our body yet. Now it's in our bodies. It's just scary. I mean, it's just scary to, I mean, it's hard to judge it from this kind of point of view at this point, because it's never been used on humans, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have a tracker. It's like, it's kind of, I almost, I kind of equate it, even though it's way more invasive and a way larger discussion than LASIK eye surgery. Mm. But I was wearing glasses for the better part of my life and I had LASIK done and, and um, I waited, I mean, 20 years after the first person that I knew had it done. Um, I think that was a pretty safe bet at that point to, you know, if anything were to come up that was, you know, like, I don't know, grow webbed feet or something as a result of it, <laughs> you think you would have heard it after 20 years. Yeah. So I think that, you know, if I, I would be, it, it's hard if I were to lose something, if I were to lose my vision today after spending my entire life having vision, I'd be more willing to try anything to try and get that sense back. Yeah. Whereas I see the cases of people who have never had vision answering the question saying, well, it's interesting, but I don't, I don't, I don't know anything different. So why would I care? You know, the, it's interesting. It's, 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 it's an interesting prospect if it does work but to do anything as invasive as attaching something to my brain without knowing categorically that nothing could go wrong it's hard to say yes to that and even when i did the lasik eye surgery there's a of course a chance that they could screw up and i go completely blind but i had the 20 years of history and people who have done it and never heard of a case of someone who did so there was a lot of education there before I actually went down that road. And I feel like this technology, while super promising, will not be common practice for at least 20, 30 years from now. Now, the big question is, 
do you think that we'll ever get to the human trial stage in the next few years? I mean, look at right now, for example, there's the investigation that's ongoing that was launched on Monday, I think. The investigation into the treatment of the animals um, during the course of these trials on monkeys. So yeah. there's been you know concern there raised and the investigation is ongoing on that. Do you think, well, I mean, because when you get to human trials, you know, that that does change a lot, doesn't it? You know, the first human to die from this, it's not never a good look, right? No, I think, hmm. I will get there. We'll get to human trials. I think it'll happen for sure. I have this sneaking suspicion that some of the first humans that will voluntarily use technology like this and allow it to be used, maybe people who are in a pretty dire situation. Mm. who don't have much to lose. Yeah. You know, think think of p- patients who have some kind of, I don't know, got into an accident or completely paralyzed, you know, from the from the neck down, can't communicate, can't can't do anything or or maybe they can communicate but they no mobility whatsoever. They don't want to live anymore. Um but the option to not live anymore is not something that's uh, that's available to them. Someone who, someone like that in a situation like that, and and sadly and unfortunately, there are people in the, in those situations. Those are more likely the people that are going to say, "Do whatever you want." The worst case that happens, it makes you know, worst. I'm already living the worst case. I'm already living in hell. Yeah. So, how could you make that worse for me? If this makes me one percent better, then this is success in my eyes. I think for a lot of people, though, the problem is they just see Elon Musk. They see a guy who's bought Twitter, who seems to have just blown forty four billion dollars. And they look at this guy and think, you're seriously the guy we're going to trust to create the future here with this? I think that's the problem at the moment. If this was any other company, it might be, okay, let's let's take this more seriously. I don't know if the, the tech me- media or the, the media generally are taking him that seriously on this yeah, because it's know, him. Here's the thing, and here's what I've learned when it comes to Elon Musk and his companies, okay? He's an extremely passionate man. He's not a, not a stupid person. He is intelligent. Mm-hmm. He's educated. He's an engineer. He he knows his his stuff. Um, he is likely um, you know, he obviously has very uh, very large social communication issues. Um, he is not the most liberal person. He's extremely conservative. He has lots of extremely strong opinions. Mm. That's great, but. The proof, unfortunately, is in the pudding. Look at what he's done with Tesla. Look at what he's doing with SpaceX. Look at what he's doing with Star with Starlink. And in each of those cases, there is someone who is in charge of those companies that's not him. Yes, he's the CEO and he might be the chairman. That's important to remember, does, yeah. Yeah, but at the end of the day, he's not the one day-to-day running these companies. Mm-hmm. He He may go in and fix them. He's kind of like, you know what, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, he was in there running day to day and he was, you know, good at that element of it. Whereas Elon Musk has the ideas. He knows how to execute them. He knows how to push people probably a little bit too hard. But somebody else is there running SpaceX. Somebody else is there running Starlink. Somebody else in there is running Tesla day to day. A business person who's in there who has a goal, which is make money and make sure that these products are good. I think especially with Neuralink, Elon Musk is a spokesperson at this point. It's a it's an yeah. incredible idea and technology and everything, but but some there are people there running the show who really know what they're talking about. There are neurosurgeons, there are people who are doing all the research and making sure 
we get to the stages that we are. So I think you sometimes have to take Elon Musk out of the equation sometimes. And that's why on the show this week, on, on Tuesday's show, um, that's why I made the point of playing in the clip. I think it was Dan Adams, the guy's name, who was the, one of the researchers at, at Neuralink, who's, who's really kind of broken down how this would work in terms of sight. You know, if you were to essentially restore vision from, you know, someone who had no vision at all and not even restore it, just actually give sight to someone. Um, that was really interesting to break that down. But it was important that we heard from somebody else. I feel that the media tends to lean towards Elon because he's the headline grabber, but it's kind of missing the bigger story. Stick around. More to come on Double Tap. Listen daily from noon Eastern on AMI-audio or search for Double Tap in your favorite app. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. This is Double Tap. Mark and Stephen with you today. Let's talk about we Apple. Talk- yeah. Oh, fine. fine. Oh, well, what did you want to talk about? Well, I wanted to, you know, this is, uh, I was on Kelly and Company earlier this week uh, on AMI, uh, AMI Audio. Traitor. And, and I was uh, on Monday. I'm not a traitor. They brought me on to talk about Double Tap. Come on. Oh, that's fine then. Yeah. And and uh, we've been talking about this and teasing this for a while back, but we never actually, I think, officially talked about our giveaway that we're doing. Oh, not on here. No, we haven't. No, that's right. We've talked no, about it everywhere we else. we talked about that for a couple of minutes because we've got, and you joke about this and we've recorded some videos about this, but you joke about the fact that, you know, this is all stuff that I have lying around that I just want to get rid of. But this is not the case, Stephen Scott. We've got a giveaway going on right now and you can enter at ami.ca slash double tap. There's a little link on the banner that says gift guide giveaway. We've got Wemo smart plugs. I've got Huawei watches, headphones. Ultimate Ears headphones. Ben Q sent me a monitor, a gaming monitor, 120 hertz, 27 inch gaming monitor to give away. We've got um, Apple iPhone cases. I've got um, uh, the Belkin uh, power bank. Um, what else do I got here? Fire HD tablets. There's a lot of really cool stuff, and it's stuff all sealed in a box, ready to be given away with double tap water bottles. Head on over to the website, check it out. You just have to fill in your name, you have to fill in your email address, and that's it. And we're going to do a draw in the new year, and you're going to get stuff after Christmas. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. Well, listen, you've said it, and you've said it with aplomb. So what did you want to talk about Apple? So apparently they are going to – so this is uh, Tim Cook this week. Go up with Joe Biden, who is, I believe, the president of America – uh, yeah, right now he's president. Yep, so yep, far, he's yeah, one of those guys. Who knows? But you know, so far uh, they got up because apparently they're going to be uh, making a, or building a new factory uh, to create chips. They're bringing chips to America. Yep, chips. The ruffles. Yeah, I like the barbecue ruffles. Those are good. Okay. See, it's, it's, where I live, <laughs> we're talking about a different thing because chips here think fish and chips. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, no, these are processors, Stephen. This is like okay. the M1 chip, the M2 chip, the A-series chips that hungry. are in the phones. They're going to be making these in America. Here's the problem is there's so, mon- so many issues going on with Chinese production right now. And this is not just Apple's problem. This is everybody's problem. I mean, you talk about the chip shortage that we heard about three years ago. This is still a problem going on along the fact, you know, al- al- along with the fact that there's uh, constant pressure to take manufacturing and and get this reliance of Chinese manufacturing off off the table, and uh, they're going to be doing this in house in, in North America, 
which is interesting because we thought they were going to do this probably in like, I don't know, Indonesia somewhere or, but this is, um, it's still through a partnership though with Foxconn, with Foxconn and Taiwanese semiconductor company. Basically their other people are going to be owned and operating these plants. It's not going to be Apple owned, but uh, they're going to be buying the chips from them. That's all I got. Okay, fine. Well, you know, I'm, I, I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting. I'm curious be- to see what this is, how this affects pricing because, well, that's it's not the point. Che- it's not cheap to produce stuff here. No, and 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 this is the thing, right? So at the moment, you're getting, you know, as we know, the price of iPhones have gone up. The price of computers have started to steadily rise again uh, from Apple. This is just going to go up and up because if you know, it's a different world bringing everything back over. I mean, it's it's good. I mean, it, we're not talking everything, though, are we? Because it's just talking chips at this point. So just I'm guessing assembly is still abroad? Uh, I believe assembly is still abroad, yeah. I mean, we don't really know, to be perfectly honest. We have a rough idea. We know everything's designed in California and assembled in China or assembled somewhere else. But I would assume that, yeah, the chips are going to be manufactured there and shipped somewhere else to be assembled. I know Pakistan is a place that they're talking about as well. Um he, you know, it makes sense to do stuff in your own backyard. Like, why wouldn't you build stuff at home? But the cost, it has to make sense, right? If it's going to, if it's, if your profit margin is going to go away, if you don't have the capacity to do it in incredible volume, because don't forget they're a worldwide company. It's not just the U.S. and Canada they're serving. They serve everywhere. So you got to make sure you're making money at the end of the day so that you keep those billions of dollars in the bank so you can produce those TV shows that no one watches. <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? I think you well, did. I think I did. I think you no, actually I, did. I like some of their TV shows. I'm not going to lie. I like some of them, but, you know, I'm also <laughs> kind of like, I, I don't know. I, I just, Yeah. It's like any TV. I mean, it's, I find this with Netflix and Disney and, and all that. Although I will say, I watched The Patient on Disney+. Plus. I don't know if that's uh, on Disney+, Plus everywhere, because it's, you know how these things work. But um, it's from uh, a channel, I think, called FX or something. I don't know what that is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so they, they created this thing with uh, called The Patient, brilliant it's a multi-part drama thriller psychological thing watched it and really enjoyed it gets to the second to last episode and there's no audio description on it really and i thought really i mean every episode had it every episode brilliant thank god it's there get to the second to last episode no audio description we battled through it we just thought okay let's go for it thankfully it wasn't too bad we were able to kind of follow it gets to the last episode it had audio description, so at least the finale had it. But And actually, that episode, it was more quiet than anything else, so we, we really would have needed it. And I thought, wow, it's just amazing to me how it just gets dropped like that. You know, you can imagine a soundtrack to just disappear. But there you go. Just amazing. Wow. Me. That's all I got to say about that is wow. It's just, you know, you just you think to yourself, what well, you would never have, <laughs> you would never turn on a show and it just wouldn't have a picture. Wouldn't happen. So, oh, you know, you know, we've got to put the visuals in. So, who do you complain to about that? Like, who do you go to? Like, and why? What's the reason? Like, we don't even know what the reason is, right? Well, so from the understanding I've got, which is very limited, but I've had conversations with various companies over the years over here in the UK, and so I imagine it's not dissimilar abroad. Is that you know, essentially, someone hasn't uploaded a file. You know, when you put the file onto the the network server where where all the files live, you've got the file for the program, and then you have the audio description track and. Maybe you have subtitle files as well. And someone just hasn't put that up, hasn't put that file up there. And oftentimes that's all it is. And it's, it's something so simple. And, you know, I, I've, I, I tweeted FX Networks, I tweeted Disney Plus, and one of our listeners, thankfully, or one of or my followers on Twitter, 
very kindly came back and said, hey, look, there is actually a feedback form you can fill in. So I did that because dutifully I want to make sure that if anybody else is you know, going through this process and actually facing this and you're actually looking to, because you've got, what, nine or ten episodes into something and then suddenly you've got no AD. You're like, oh, come on. Uh, I remember the same happened on, um, it was a series called The Purge. It was on Amazon Video, I think, Amazon Prime. And it was the same kind of thing. It was like a TV, a TV series version of it. I love The Purge. I don't know what it is about this. I just love The Purge and been purging all over the place. And I was, so I was purging my way through this season and it was great. And then you get to like episode four and there's no AD and you just think, oh, forget it. How will I know what these purgers are doing? Even though I obviously could imagine what they're doing. But, you know, how do I know what they're doing? How do I know they're trashing cars and killing people? Um, yeah. So, you know, it just it loses it, you know, because honestly, without AD, I don't watch it. I just don't. There's no point anymore. I don't get anything out of it. I sit in my living room. It's so funny. I sit in my living room with my wife, a 75-inch TV sitting there. And I don't know if you've ever seen this. This is the way I'll describe it to you, Mark. I don't know if you've ever seen these programs where sometimes on the news they do it, where you'll have someone sitting in a house. Maybe the news is covering something and they go to someone's house and maybe there's like kids playing or something. And you see the kids playing around and the TV's on in the background, but they blur the screen out because maybe they don't want to show the, for rights reasons or whatever, they can't show what's on the TV screen. Yeah, they do that for logos and even the kids' faces sometimes too. Yeah, and, and they'll just black out the whole TV or they'll blur out the whole TV. And um, that's how I see it. That's how I see television. So it's like it doesn't make any difference, I think, 75-inch. So if there's no AD, it is just a blur and a noise, and I don't have a clue what they mean. So, you know, I've given up on it. But I will say that there's a there seems to be a bigger commitment uh, hearing some news about what's coming later, uh, either this year or early next year, some I can't say at the moment, but I, I'm excited to tell you that there are some big announcements coming early next year from some big providers in their commitments to audio description on uh, on their services. And I'm talking on demand here. So, you know, a, a number of them, I mean, Netflix has done a great job already and they continue to. Um, the, the challenge is always the same, though. It's, it's the thing when someone says to you, have you seen that film? And you go, oh, no, I haven't. So, yeah, I quite fancy that. There was one I remember, and don't ask me who was in it, but it was a movie called Prisoners, and I always fancied it. And I chased this movie. It was on Netflix for a while. It was on Amazon Prime for a while. It was on sale on iTunes for a while. I chased this movie everywhere. Nowhere did it have audio description. And then one oh, really? day I learned that it was on <laughs> had audio description because it was broadcast on the BBC over here. So they had described it, and it was on air and gone. And I'd missed it. And you know, it's just that frustration sometimes. You're just like, oh, forget it. Just put the radio on, honestly. <laughs> I'm just bored. Is the radio any better, though, sometimes? Oh. Sometimes, they, you know, even on the radio, they, they, they're, they're so, they're so, un, it just the lack of description sometimes people refer, it's almost like they think they're on TV sometimes, right? That's this true. world has become such a video-centric world that even radio, I remember having a conversation with somebody in the radio business. We're talking about video stuff and he was saying, yeah, I heard the future of radio is going to be, uh, radio without videos isn't going to be non-existent. I'm like, that's kind of sad, you know? Yeah. That's kind of sad because radio was always this great visual, uh, you know, uh, audibly audible medium that painted the picture. Like it was, that was it. Like radio plays, you'd close your eyes and you can, use of sound was just absolutely amazing. That's what really drew me to radio, being able to create compelling productions that people could just kind of picture in their head. I think that's the one that, I mean, Audible's doing a great job here um, because they're bringing out lots of drama 
in audio form. And I think that's really good. They're getting some good actors to do it as well. So that, you know, it's not like they're just making it up in, you know, sort of on, on the cheap. They're actually putting some effort into it and it's creating some really good experiences. And I kind of wish, you know, you think about things like spatial audio and the capabilities for, for great, you know, immersive audio experiences to build that into these dramas. Because what I've seen so far or heard so far is the, the really great immersive experiences, but terrible stories. You know, they just, it's like the story's secondary to the production and that's a real problem because you, you end up in a situation where you have this terrible story. I remember listening to one about this. It was like, a, I don't know, some 19th century thing, whatever it was that happened. And the story was just dreadful. It was just garbage. It didn't mean anything. But, oh, it was great because it was spatial and I felt like the woman was tapping a glass against my ear or whatever it was. But it didn't make any sense. It was just, it was just like somebody had got the keys to the sound effects room and they just played with all the sound <laughs> effects and recorded it. And that was it. And you just thought, nah, then, you know, we need to get that Netflix level, that, you know, Apple TV, whatever the standard you choose to set for yourself in terms of the, the quality threshold of the content, get that and get that into audio. Um, now I say all this and then I read AMI TV's Christmas schedule. And one of the, well, they've got a lot of great films on, but one is going to be Uncle Buck, which I've never, I've never seen Uncle Buck, but Uncle Buck, John Candy, of course, um, yep. it's going to be on AMI TV over the holidays. And of course, it'll have described video, it'll have AD. So I'm so, so pleased. Um, so yeah, I just need to move to Canada now, which seems it seems a bit excessive just to watch Uncle Buck. But, yeah, um, it does seem, I mean, you could vacation. You could vacation, yeah, exactly. Just get over a couple of days, <laughs> enjoy the sights, go to Toronto, go to Vancouver, you know, do the Rockies thing, all that stuff. Do what the adverts on TV here always tell me to do, which is go and visit Canada. Um, we clearly hate our own country in this in this country, which is, to be fair, no surprise. Um, but yeah, I, 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 like I say, AMI TV, actually check out the website because there's some great shows coming up and check out your local listings as well for all the, the TV shows, which I'm assuming will cl- include lots of Double Tap TV, Mark. Well, we've got some really cool stuff coming up. We've got our obviously our holiday gift guide coming up this week. Uh, we've got Ask Us Anything, which is an opportunity to kind of field your questions and emails and videos. Uh, we've got our best of 2022, which oh, yeah. really gives us an opportunity to look back at some of the fun stuff we did. And we have some really cool stuff we're working on for the for the new year. Like, I mean, we're going to be talking. This is I was going to ask you about the Pixel, but I mean, we we're going to be talking about the Google Pixel Seven in great in great depth. We're going to be talking. Um, to Dan Ackerman over at CNET to talk about future trends to look out for. We've got our CES special. You know, John Kelly, the VP of the CES show, and he runs the show. He's going to be joining us. We're even going to be talking to somebody at BMW all about the future of automotive tech that's going to be announced at CES. They're doing one of the keynotes. We've got a lot of really cool stuff lined up, plus some, like, deep dives into some interesting stories and people. Like we're we're really gonna we're we're gonna really kind of test the waters here and see uh and see how much we can give you guys in the new year and I think you're gonna like it a lot. Do you know what I love about CES this time around? We are not there. I like yeah. That. It's so much fun to cover CES when you're not there. But so actually, much less stress it is because I mean, and, and you know, I was just just today I was interviewing someone on uh, behalf of of that episode because we're going to be doing it um quite soon. I think we're going to be prepping it up and, and getting that show ready for air in less than a month away from CES. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to be learning about this. But this this one company in particular I'm really excited about. I was talking to them today. And it's all about um, essentially an emergency uh, detector system that goes into your home and allows you 
to keep track of and make sure that your uh, loved ones are okay. So say, and it encourages really, it encourages older people to remain at home and stay in their own homes rather than having to go into care homes, which a lot of people probably don't want to do. And if they are able to look after themselves, then they want to stay at home and why not? But this, the thing that got me about this, and we'll, and we'll talk about it more in the show when it comes up, it's well worth checking out. But what, what's great is that this is a product which doesn't have a microphone in it. It doesn't have a camera in it. So it gives some privacy and some dignity to the fam to the family member rather than just being here's another camera because I think and, and we talked about this you know the whole thing of having cameras in your home and microphones everywhere there's there's privacy concern which is obviously that's a right thing to have but there's also a dignity concern right you don't want to be just dropping in on someone and seeing them in this state of you know they've decided to take their, their top off because they're warm or whatever you know what I mean it's just give people a bit of dignity in their space what you need to know is are they okay and this product allows for that. So it's these kind of products we're going to be talking about, a real wide range of different products. And that's the great thing about CES. One thing people don't realize is that they have an accessibility area. Uh, and actually, if you're going to CES, the one thing you must know about is get in touch with the, the Consumer Tech Association, the CTA, because they are fantastic at helping people to get to CES. And if you're blind and you want to go, you don't have to... You don't have to worry about taking a guide with you. They will help you get someone who will actually take you around, will actually be with you. They can provide that. I remember speaking to the guys when I was there last, and um, it made me confident to think that you know I could get rid of and, and fire my uh, assistant Jane. In fact, she was quaking in her boots at that very moment because she thought I was going to ditch her. <laughs> um, but you know, the fact is that the, the capability to go on your own and actually enjoy it on your own and, and get a chance to get around actually sounds quite appealing. Because obviously those people know the place; they know where they're going. So, yeah. well, and, and this show drive. I mean, this show spans the entire city of Las oh, Vegas. Huge, yeah. It's not massive. just a convention center. I remember the first time I went uh, with my with uh, my friend Mitchell, and we were we scheduled things. We scheduled a lot of things, not realizing they were how far away from each other they were. And there was one time that we were in his car, and he he was notorious for not letting people drive his car. And he's like, Mark, I have to get to this Microsoft event. You're going to have to drive. I'm like, what? And he's <laughs> like, he just gets out of the car. He throws me the keys and he starts running because we were in traffic and there was no way he was going to get there. in like the six minutes we had, he was still 10 minutes late. And by the time he was done, I was still in traffic and I didn't manage to park anywhere. It was insane. But it's, uh, it's, it, it's one of those things you have to experience once. Mm. And once you do, you realize it's way easier to cover the show when you're not there. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, listen, we're out of time for today, but thank you, Mark, and uh, thank you for listening. Keep your feedback coming as well. We'll get to it on Monday. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. 1-877-803-4567 is our listener line. Get in touch and share your thoughts with us. That's it for Double Tap today. Have a great weekend. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.